Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Today, we're going to talk about courage in the workplace. My guest is Bill Treasurer, and he's the founder and chief encouragement officer of Giant Leap Consulting, a courage-building training consulting firm. He's the author of and editor of six books, including the international bestseller, The Courage Goes to Work, which introduces new organizational development practices of courage building. He's a renowned expert, and over the past two decades, he has given programs for Saks Fifth Avenue, NASA, USB Bank, Centers for Disease Control, National Science Foundation, and many, many others. Welcome, Bill Treasurer. And I love Patricia, you. Go ahead. I've been looking forward to talking to you. This, I'm uh, so excited to have the time to spend with you. Thank you, thank you. Well, this is quite um, this is quite a topic, and I love this. What you write here, you say, "Are you tired of managing comfortable instead of comfortable?" So, comfortable employees who are either too comfortable or too fearful to do things differently and deliver results. That's sort of the, that's kind of really what you talk about. Yeah, the, you know, so many employees today and so many people, and I was one of them and occasionally I still am, you know, get caught into this low level comfort where we don't want to try something new or we get caught in sort of a low level fear where we're too fearful of trying something new and oftentimes comfort and fear mix together and we become comfortable. Uh, sort of this low-level fear of being willing to try something new or get rid of something old, and we hold ourselves back as a consequence. Yeah, yeah, I think it's important. What inspired you to write the book? You know, there's first of all, I don't know about so many things, but in my own life, I had come into contact with my own courage, and uh, and I did that because I was a, a, ra- a rather lousy athlete growing up. But one day at the local pool, me and my friends were doing some jumps off the diving board, and I did a backflip, and none of my friends could do it. And suddenly I found the sport of springboard diving, and I got good as a low-board diver. I grew up in Larchmont, New York, in Westchester County, and I won the Westchester County di- Diving Championships three times, And then colleges started to dangle scholarships in front of me, and we'd go to the interviews, and they would ask me about my high board list of dives, and I didn't have a high board list of dives because I was and am petrified of heights. And Mm. so here's how I found my courage. I had a coach who held me accountable to my potential, wouldn't let me turn away from it, and would take me down to Iona College where there was a diving board built on a hydraulic lift. Patricia, everywhere in the world that I've ever been, I've never seen a diving board ever since that was built on a hydraulic lift. So he could take that diving board and now move it to one and a half meters. And now my heart's racing. I'm going over on my dives. I don't want to go to practice. But after about 100 dives, I get used to it. I start getting confident and I start becoming a little bit bored. And boredom was a great clue. What do you think he did when I got bored? 
I don't know. Move that diving board back up to two meters. And through this process of modulating between comfort and discomfort, eventually I got a high board list of dives. I got a full scholarship to college. But then I continued that process and I became a captain of the U.S. high diving team, diving from heights that scale to over 100 feet, traveling at speeds in excess of 50 miles an hour before hitting a small pool that was 10 feet deep, all because of a coach who helped inspire my own courage and activate it in me. And it was your greatest fear. Exactly. It takes, it takes, you know, here's, it's such an important lesson. So many, and I'm sure that you know this already, and it's certainly worth your uh, listeners to hear. Courage is not, let me underscore, courage is not fearlessness. Courage is fearful. When you are in a courageous moment, your knees are knocking, your teeth are chattering, your skin is getting blotchy, your eyes are dilating, your brow is sweating, but... You're moving forward despite the fact that you are courageous uh, or fearful. In fact, to be a courageous moment, you have to have the presence of fear. They have a tight relationship together. So courage is fearful, not fearless. Do you think, Bill, that can apply not just to physical things, but let's say, you know, you're going through a struggle and you're really trying to pull out of the struggle, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's relationship, and it's really hard and you keep trying and you're working at it. But every time you try and maybe there's a setback, there's that same fear. Oh, my God, what if I get sick again? What if I lose all my money? What if I never see that person again? So it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing, correct? Even though it's more, it's not so much a physical thing. It, sure, it absolutely can be the mental thing. And the, the key, I think, that is so important to courage is this idea of persistence. That I know that I am full of fear. I know I'm full of anxiety. Yeah. I know I'm yeah. full of insecurity. And I'm still taking the next step forward in that, despite all of that. So, so that it's, because I think a lot of people feel guilty when they have those feelings. And if, if you could convert that feeling of guilt and say, you know what, I, I'm not embarrassed because I'm taking the step forward. Yeah, I'm feeling these feelings. I don't like these feelings, but this is part of the path to being courageous yes. is carrying these feelings with me as I persist. And I think there's another part of that. It's not internalizing it to the point that it it uh, stops you. It's almost as though you right. can look above it. It's the right, it's objective. So you were your own teacher saying, now look, you're getting fearful here, but you're going to do it anyway. Because if you internalize it too much, then it does stop you. Agreed? Then it can. Yes, because there's a, a point at which fear has diminishing returns. And we can, uh, you know, we can get into fight, flight, or freeze where we choke in our performance and shut down. But some level of fear is important to inspire courage. Past a certain point, though, it will shut us down. So we've got to be in management of it. Yeah. So, but is courage always about saying yes to any risk in front of you? No. Sometimes, sometimes a courageous move is to, to assert a boundary and say no. Sometimes it's even when all of your temptation, maybe there's a lot of peer pressure, maybe your parents are involved, maybe your spouse's parents are involved, and everybody's telling you to move forward, but there's some little voice inside of you that just is telling you it's not right for you at this moment. And to assert the boundary of a disciplined no 
takes courage. I'll give you a quick example of that. I have a friend, his name is Ed Viesters. He's climbed Mount Everest seven times, seven times. Now, the first time he attempted to summit Mount Everest, he had a year of preparation physically. He had thousands and thousands of dollars of sponsorship money at stake, all sorts of people that he had committed to that he was going to climb the top of Mount Everest. He had acclimated at four different base camps over the course of months, and now he is 300 feet from the summit, what he said, spitting distance. Imagine a year's worth of preparation, money at stake, everybody's counting on you, and you are just 300 feet from the summit. Your whole body is telling you to move forward to the summit. But he turned around and walked back down. He said that the conditions just got a little too funky, and he knew it wasn't right. He said getting up is optional. Getting down is mandatory. And he asserted a disciplined no. There's a reason why Ed Viesters is one of the greatest American climbers in the history of the sport, because he's willing to turn away and say no when he knows that the conditions have changed. The mountain decides when he climbs. He doesn't mm-hmm. decide. Yeah, that's so good and so strong. And, and But I think that that brings up another point. You know, he used his gut and his experience. But I think sometimes what happens is we use our experience in our gut, and yet we second-guess ourselves, right? I mean, so we'll say, sure. no, this time I shouldn't do this. Oh, no, no, but I have to be courageous. And then we do it, and then we make a mistake. So we also have right. to use that in other situations. Yeah, there would be, we need a certain level of discernment. And sometimes we can lock ourselves into a viewpoint because we have made a mistake, right? And so we'll, we'll, we're facing a situation, and we're saying, you know what? My gut's telling me not to do that because of what happened the last time I tried that. Sometimes that's good counsel. Sometimes you've gotten stuck in a rut. Um, right. You know, so it takes a healthy level of discernment and asking yourself, what is the next right thing to do? Which I think is a critical question in anyone's life at any given moment. What is the next right thing to do? Which almost equates with what is the next courageous thing to do? But sometimes what happens is we're going, as you said, on past experience, and maybe the conditions have changed. Maybe the situation's changed. It's a different person. It's a different time. So you have to try again. So all of those things factor in, too. Yeah. In fact, that is one of the courage buckets that I talk about is this idea of try courage. And sometimes you you remember the old saying we grew up with, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And then we see that idea of persistence again, that even though we've failed, the conditions this time might be different. And I learned something from the failure. So it doesn't mean that I'm going into the very same situation I had before. I'm wiser. Hopefully the situation may have changed. I need to try again and persist. Um, my own example of that, Patricia, is that I was an avid whitewater kayaker. I, I live in uh, Asheville, North Carolina. There's some great rivers here. And in Tennessee, there's a river called the Ocoee River. It's where they had the Olympics in 1996 for kayaking. And there's a rapid on that river called Grumpy. It's a, it's a class two rapid with class four consequences. You don't want to go upside down in that. And you certainly don't want to get dislodged from your boat, your boat. And I did both. And I was bouncing around the water and I got bruised and I got, you know, my helmet fell off. It was treacherous. 
And then for two years, I would never go down grumpy. I would take my boat and I would portage around that rapid and do what's called the walk of shame with my boat. Until one day, the wise counsel of a friend, he said, Bill, you know, I was there when you got caught in that rapid and you lost sight of the single thing that you needed to do, which is a small ferry move. That's what you, instead of focusing on the panorama of all the boulders and all the crashing water, if you just focus on the ferry move and make the ferry, everything else falls into place. And so he convinced me to try it again instead of you know worrying about the last time I screwed up and worrying about the big boulders. And I just focused on the one move that I needed to make, that class two ferry move, which I had done thousands of times. And suddenly I made it through Grumpy and eventually I started playing in Grumpy in my kayak. Yeah, that reminds me of looking at the whole mountain instead of looking just yeah. at the next step in front of you. Yes, having yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to Bill Treasurer. Uh, his brand new book is Courage Goes to Work, and I'm going to find out from him uh, what what's the relationship between fear and courage, and how do we manage our fear and still be courageous? Um, all right, Bill, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking more. And, uh, Bill, where's your website for our listeners? People can find me at BillTreasurer.com or CourageBuilding.com. All right. All right. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Beauty is always a reflection of how we are taking care of ourselves from the inside, and our business is no different. Building your business brand is a direct reflection of you. In today's competitive landscape, personal and proven leadership skills can ensure that our brands and businesses succeed. Join host Bonnie Bonadeo and visionary guest experts to help you find success. Tune into beautiful brands inside and out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You 
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back. We are back talking about courage. My guest is Bill Treasurer, and his book is Courage Goes to Work. He helps employees develop a little more courage and deliver a lot more results. Bill Treasurer is an author, workplace expert, and courage pioneer. Contrary to popular belief, Bill ensures that courage is a skill that's teachable. Treasurer's fear-busting real-world techniques have been road-tested over the past two decades by thousands of executives in 11 countries on four continents. He noticed a problem in the workplace and has worked hard to solve it. And we're talking about his 10th anniversary edition of his trailblazing book, Courage Goes to Work, where he gives us timely tips for leaders, managers, and workers on courage. Welcome back, Bill. Thanks, Patricia. I'm enjoying it. Good, good. So let's talk about the difference between fear and courage. Uh, Fear is scary to face, but we need courage to face our fears. So how do we manage our fear? Well, it's, op- it's the operative question, right? In fact, I think it's a central question in life because human beings are going to face fearful situations, every single one of us. Nobody gets to skirt that. It's why, biologically, you have a fear button in your body, and it's right. called the uh, amygdala, which is the Latin word for almond, and it's by. A hemisphere on your brain. It's, it's bilobal. You have it on both sides of your brain. And this little preservation button, it keeps you safe from harm and danger, which is essentially what fear inside us is supposed to do. You know, uh, the, biologically, we're equipped and wired to try to stay alive. And so we have this amygdala that's always on high alert. It's sort of like a sentinel. It's like a protector of us until it's not until it starts getting in the way of us being able to move forward and it starts to diminish who we are. So the first thing is the recognition that you have fear for a reason, and that is to, centrally to keep you alive. So fear, not all fear is bad. Some fear protects you, and you know, to recognize that. Also, that fear has energy. It's not inert. It is energetic. And if you properly funnel fear in the direction of the fearful thing, you can now use that energy to confront the thing that you might be afraid of. So it's trying to gain some perspective uh, about fear in the first place. I love this quote by Ambrose Redmoon. He is a playwright in Chicago. And he, in fact, he's probably more famous now for the quote than any play that he had ever written. And the quote is, courage is not the absence of fear but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. In Mm. other words, if you have an overriding, overarching, compelling, purposeful, meaningful goal, then that will subdue the fear. If you've got something more important that needs to get done, then you'll be able to sublimate your fear and work courageously in the effort of doing that thing that you want so badly that you're not going to let fear get in the way. So part of it starts with having a really compelling goal. Um, I think it often helps for people to ask themselves the holy question 
the holy question being the four most important words you'll ever learn in the English language. What do you want? What do you want? We call it the holy question. Other people really can't answer that for you. They might have an opinion, um, but it's for you to grapple with. And once you figure out what it is that you want so badly, now you can start figuring out what are the courageous moves that I'll need to take to close the gap between what I have now and what it is that I want. It's all, it goes back to Ambrose Redmond, right? Like once I know what it is that I want, if it's overarching and really compelling, it will have a subduing effect on my fear. Mm-hmm. What about the three different behavioral buckets of courage? Tell us about that. Right. So as I was contemplating courage and I was writing the book, Courage Goes to Work, and I was thinking about all my experiences personally and also working with leaders, I recognized that not all courage is the same. And it's such an intimidating topic that people look at this big, giant mass of Jupiter and think, oh, my God, courage. No, I'm not courageous. That's just for heroes. That's for people who walk on the moon. That's for people who charge a hill in the theater of war or run into a burning building to save a baby. And so we think of courage as being way more inflated than we need to because there's an everyday accessible view of what I call everyday courage, little C courage, not big C courage. If you break courage down to three behavioral buckets. So not all courage is the same. The first is try courage, doing something you've not done before. Maybe other people have done it, but for you, it's your first time. It's a pioneering event for you, and it's your first attempt. So sometimes we'll say, um, you know, when was the last time you tried something for the first time? And that gets you to this idea of try courage, when you have to try something you've never done before. That is one expression of courage. We find it in action, for example. The second bucket of courage is often found in inaction, not action, and that's me releasing my need to control others or my need to be right and me experiencing vulnerability, and we call this trust courage. It's the courage it takes to get disarmed and open yourself up and become emotionally exposed. And you can see how that's vastly different than trying something for your very first time. So we call this trust courage. In the workplace, delegating would be an example. Entrusting others and then not hovering over people like a helicopter parent. And then the third bucket of courage in the workplace, it's the one we most often think of when we think of courageous acts in the workplace. And that is the courage of the truth teller. It's me asserting my truth, saying what I need to say, regardless of the fact that it might not hit your ears in the way that you'd like it to. And we call this tell courage. It's the courage of voice and assertiveness, the courage of the truth teller, which is different than trust courage, which is different than try courage. So try, trust, and tell are three different behavioral expressions of courage that are accessible to people that are not just heroes, just people like you and me. What do you think is the most tough, the toughest, and the easiest? I ask, it's a good question. For you know, I think that answer is going to be different for every person. In fact, we have a, a courageous leadership profile. It's a 30-question questionnaire, a survey, where people can rate themselves on the different behavioral buckets to find out which is high or low for them. And I think each person 
has a higher bucket and each has a lower. You know, some of your friends, for example, might say, uh, you know, I'm a, I, I tell people the truth all the time. I'm brutally honest. I'll use yeah. brutality with my honesty. <laughs> well, that person, <laughs> for that person, you know, truth telling is not going to be where their courage is. You find your courage in, in a counter direction to where your confidence is, right? Like you find your courage in the area where you need to go, not where you are. And so for the person who's super courageous already telling people the truth, maybe for them, the act of courage would actually biting their tongue and letting somebody else have the floor. Um, so I think that at upper levels in an organization, I find a lot of tell courage. At lower levels in an organization, I find a lack of tell courage. At mm. upper levels in an organization, people become very jaded and trust levels can become low. I feel mm. people are willing in the early parts of their career to be more trusting sometimes than they should. So it, it uh, may depend on where you reside and, uh, and how long you've been in the workplace. Interesting. Fascinating, these three. How can people take that test? Something I'd love to do. How can they find it? Yeah. So they can find it on Amazon, for one. It's uh, sold out there on Amazon. And uh, if they go to couragebuilding.com, they will find a link to it as well. There, unfortunately, there's no way to take it. Um, you, you know, it's a, it's a paid-for thing, and I don't have it set up on my website. They'd actually have to purchase it. But it's a hard copy. It also comes with a courageous leadership development plan as part of the survey and tips for increasing your courage in each one of the three buckets. Oh, that's great. That's great. What would you like to leave our listeners with? What's your message? Maybe maybe one tip, maybe a couple of tips for them. Um, maybe in each yeah. of these, like a tip for try courage and a tip for trust courage and a tip for tell courage. I think, you know, the, my overarching general tip is that you as a human being, me as a human being, the person that we're going to spend our entire life with every single breath is ourselves. And so you're going to get a lot of information from other people about what you should and shouldn't do. But at the end of the day, the mirror test matters a lot. Can you look in the mirror and be proud of the person that you are and not avert your eyes? And that will tell you something about your character. You know, try courage means to, I would say that my tip for you is to do something a little out of habit. And it can be small at first. If you take a routine way to get to work every single day, Maybe try a different route. Maybe ask Siri to take you on a different route to get to work. Or if you go to a habitual restaurant every single day for lunch or every Friday night with your spouse, try a new one or try a new food. Try things in a smaller way before you get to a bigger way. In, in terms of trust courage, I would ask yourself, in what ways has not, not trusting others cost you? Uh, is there a relationship in your life where because you didn't trust, it actually harmed you or the other person? Who deserves more of your trust than you've given them? And then the third one, in terms of tell courage, what I would uh, suggest to a person in terms of being more assertive, what is a principle that you think you need to uphold, that you believe that you say that you're all about it, that you believe it at depth, your principle that you will always stand for, and how does it connect to not biting your tongue? When was the last time you bit your tongue and regretted it? So mm-hmm. those are just a couple of tips that I would That's give wonderful. all your listeners. Wonderful. All right. It's been a pleasure to have you on the program. And people can log on to, again, BillTreasurer.com. Yep. 
and couragebuilding.com as well. Patricia, my pleasure to be with you and your listeners today. Thank you so much. Stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this first half hour of our program. We have another half hour all ready for you to go, so stay with us right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.